say this. Merry Christmas. Everybody excited about Christmas? I was at the mall yesterday, so many people shopping, just taking things off the rack, and I'm like, I'm already done. I got two things to buy. And guys, if you want to know how I do my shopping so quickly, come see me after, after, the, uh, after the sermon, and I'll give you my secret. But Donna got everything she needs. And I got one thing to buy, and me and Sterling go out Christmas Eve, don't we? All the stuff, old stuff been picked, they put the new stuff in. And then we step up and act like we're so helpless, and we get the good stuff. So 24th of December, we'll be out there doing it. But I really want to say, I'm so excited about this year, about Christmas, because I've seen something I haven't seen in years. A lot of people excited out shopping again, um, getting things done. Last few years has been kind of, and they've been smiling too at the mall. It's kind of surprising that they're starting to smile at the mall versus get out the way. Now, the guys aren't because they're just sitting around like this. You know, and the wife is buying, yeah, so the wife is buying something. Do you like that? Sure, if I can get out of here, you know. But there's no football game, so, on, so you got to go to the mall. But if you like UPS, you can use Amazon, and that's not a commercial. But anyway, I want to welcome you guys. We're going to finish up our BC series today. Um, it's been a three-week series. Really excited about that. And what we want to do with our series of BC, we call, we really want you to understand and captivate, really get a hold of the magnitude of God's great love for us in this season. How God pulled out all the stops to send his only begotten son for us, to save us. In the first series, the first part Alan did, he said, the God who became man. The second one that uh, Pastor Brian Teller did, he said, the shepherd who became a lamb. And the one I want to talk about, the, the king who became a servant. When I was reading this, you know, the series and going through the series, if you don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself right now. It's an old song I remember growing up from Motown by Marvin Gaye. And he was singing this song about ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no water far enough to get me to what? Wide enough. Thank you. So y'all know the song. And he was rapping, as you call it, when you were growing up. And he was talking about there was no boundaries Yeah, there you go. Y'all can clap. All right. All right. Now y'all can get a lot of hand clap, right? On Christmas Day. This is so irreligious, isn't it? But really, if you get the theme of that, that's exactly how God saw us. There was no barriers that he was not going to push over. Jesus went through all things to get in a relationship back with us. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how a king became a servant. And how he became a servant to serve mankind and to reestablish mankind with God Almighty himself. And the same love that he had for us, we should have for one another. There should be no barriers that is too big for us to love other people because he crushed everything for us to get back with the Father. If you want to go to Mark chapter 10, verses, um, verses 43 and 45, it's a scripture that we know we go through pretty often when we talk about serving, but you're going to hear it from a different way. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 and 45, this is Jesus actually 
After he was born, he's got his last day, um, couple of weeks, he's heading to Jerusalem to die. And he told the disciples what was going to happen up until that point, but he never really told them where it was going to happen. Now he's about to explain to them exactly. Um, they want to know, as anybody else, if you're going to leave, who's in charge? Can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? And they didn't get it. And he was breaking it down to them about what it is to be great in the kingdom of God. And what he was giving, leaving them an example for us to always follow here today. It says this, but it shall be not so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever will be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, not the word servant. When Jesus is talking about the word servant, you look at it, it actually breaks it down. In Greek, it means a personal servant. If you have someone who's personally serving you, attendant, or some to wait on tables, where you get the word deacon, a waiter. If you go to at the church today and go eat, you think about that picture that he's given to you about what a servant is. They wait on others. They serve others. They personally Make sure others are succeeding in all in life. That's our Savior. Now, he was, again, he wasn't talking about our behavior. He was giving them a, a description of the way things actually are in the kingdom of God. It's an upside-down kingdom. Everything that man says about leadership, about him lording over us, Jesus, um, the kingdom of God, flips it about the servant becomes the greatest. The most distinguished person in the room becomes the most humblest person in the room. You got to get a good picture of that. How you become great in the kingdom or in this life is you serve others. Every job that we have is an act of service, believe it or not. Even though you don't think it is, you are serving somebody a product. And the church is one of the only organizations or organisms that is primarily built for other people. Because Christ was, crea- uh, was born on earth for us created all things for us, saved us. So when you look at that, when you look at the scripture, um, 43 to 45, there's a couple things I want to just actually just point out to you. In 44, it says, whoever be great among you must be a slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to, as a ransom for many. The first word is, we have a king who served. Jesus came on the earth to serve, not to be served. When you look at the word serve, really, we look at the word today. When you ever call someone a minister, you call them a servant. Minister is nothing about this hierarchy. It's about being a servant of all people. It means to attend to the needs of someone else. And they couldn't figure that out because they're looking for a king who will come in, in all of the glory on earth and they found a king who was born in a, in a barn, in a stable. They missed it. We would have missed it too because it's like the king is coming, like the president's coming. So we're looking for the big cars. We're looking for the glory procession. And where is he at? He's in a stable. And I'm telling you how tough it was. He's a two-year-old child. He, he became the number one, the one, most wanted list. The king of I mean, the king of Roman Empire wanted to kill him. Wow, you're two years old and you're on the most wanted list. Up in every post office. Think about it. 
the religious people missed him because they were expecting this big thing. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Sure, what that really mean? why he did that. God was amazing. In the scripture in Isaiah 42, 1, he says, Behold my servant, who, whom I uphold, my chosen. You know, whoever God upholds, he takes care of. My chosen, in whom my soul delights, I but put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. That means judgment to the nations. God set it up for him to bring justice to our nation. Equality to the nations. Remember, the world says the hierarchy of leadership is this. He's flipping it. He's putting everyone at the cross on level playing ground. We all, it doesn't matter if you have a degree or non-degree, if we serve, like Martin Luther King says, we can be great. And he was serving us. He served. King will serve. It's kind of amazing when you look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It's not, in your, it's not on the board. It says this, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, he's talking about this. God, God, you know, in the very beginning, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's in heaven, come down to all the pain on earth. He had to humble himself. He says he emptied himself. In some of the translations you have says he, was, he actually gave up all reputation. Didn't care what he looked like. Didn't care what it sounded like. Because you know he was born, he was labeled as an illegitimate child. He wasn't legit. Because look at it. I mean, I mean, think about this in your mind. You ever heard of a pregnant virgin? Does that compute? A pregnant virgin. Hi, Mary. You're blessed. I'm pregnant and I'm a virgin. You call that blessing? And he's born. And Joseph don't know what to do until the angel showed up. He's born and they're saying, that's a guy. He's illegitimate. Born out of wedlock. How's he going to be the king? How's he going to be the savior of who? Our king should look like this. Ain't no mountain high enough. Go through the shame and the pain for us. That's why this season's so special. (laughs) See, when you get too familiar with God, you kind of forget it. You kind of forget all the links he took to get us back with the Father took the shame and the pain, no reputation to save us. Last time I checked, guys, that is really good news. And who God upholds, he takes care of. Then stop there. He said, being found in a human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Humbled himself. He had to become human. He humbled himself. Here's the thing. He let it happen because he can call out angels just like that. 600 angels, come take these people out. I don't know about you if I had that strength. 
I think I'm done. Can I just turn my back and we start all over again? He let it happen. Because that's how much he loves us. See the magnitude of God's love? For us. That's how much. See, you won't find that in any other what you call Savior. They're not going to throw themselves in front of anybody for you. Think about that. And he's doing this on service. Think about when you go to, he's going, here's my life on the platter. Do you want some salvation? You want deliverance? Oh, you want healing? And so what is our reaction to our servants or our waiters in the restaurants? Take it back. It's too cold. It's not good enough. Where's the manager? That is the response he got when he was on the cross. That was the response he got when he was born. He's not a rabbi. He doesn't even look like one. He's illegit. King was served. Death on the cross. I got that. I was so convicted. Don't let me treat you with contempt, and don't let me treat people with contempt. Because I am not worthy of that. None of us are. I can't even say I got good qualities. Everything good that come out of me is him. So I don't want to lose the season. And I want the season to go 365 days every day, 24-7. Not forget the very air I breathe comes from the Savior who gave it to me, who just emptied himself. Man, just let it go. Second thing, it's amazing. He's he's the king who sacrificed. Now, when he says give his life as a ransom, Really, that's really, a, uh, let me tell you about those who were in slavery. If you were, um, if you were um, in slavery and, and you were enslaved to the Jewish population, those who were rich, they're slaves, you lived pretty well. You were, pretty, you were doing pretty good. You were doing very well with the family. In fact, you, had even, you even had right to marry the master's daughter, but if you wanted to leave, you had to leave the family there. But then after seven years, they call it a year of jubilee, you've released and get all your inheritance. But there's another type of slavery. There was those, if you couldn't pay your debts and couldn't pay your bills, your whole family had to go into direct slavery. You had nothing until you paid your debt. And if the debt's overwhelming, you can't pay it, you're never getting free. That's what sin does to us. We're so much in debt, and man, the only one I had to pay for was mankind. We couldn't pay for it. And God said, let me take him, let me be myself, and, and come down on the earth, what we call the incarnation, and I will take all the penalty, and I will release each and every one of them of their sins and of all their bondage. That is amazing. So it's the price of a release, the price paid to liberate a slave a prisoner of war, or one who's a condemned person. Remember, we don't set Christ, we're already condemned. We even feel condemned without Jesus. 
Nothing seems to work in our life. We don't even feel good. Come on, somebody. Remember before you met Jesus how life really was? You kind of forget. Paying the price. And when you pay the price, he wiped the slate clean like it never existed. Clean like it never was there. Our record against God was clear. Can I get an amen on that? In our world, he redeemed redemption, the bondage of sin and condemnation, and from the punishment that we deserved. Sometimes we don't need to be instructed. We need to be remembered, uh, reminded a lot of times because we kind of get so familiar with God because we were subjected to a divine law. Now, this scripture here I'm going to read to you just completely wrecks me. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. It's also, it's a prophecy. You'll see it in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, 24 and 25. It's called a suffering servant. She surely has borne our griefs. That word griefs means pain. He carried our sorrows, means sickness. Now, I want to stop there because I want you to recognize something. Before the fall of man, there was no pain. There was no sickness. There was no cancer. There was no depression. There was no discouragement. There was none of that. When we sinned, all that entered the world. And Jesus came to wipe it clean. And he did. He already has done it. When he died, even when we didn't know him. Remember that. So when you look at the scriptures about the pain and sickness, sickness, he has, oh, let me keep going. Yeah, he esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And when he read that part of it, it's really saying this, that people looked at Jesus and said, man, he must have really messed up with God because God's killing him. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. But he was wounded for what? Whose transgressions? What's a transgression? Sin, the word we don't like to talk about. He was crushed for our what? What does that word mean? Sin. <laughs> no one likes that word. Say it. Sin. Okay, let me make it easier. S-I-N. Okay? Circle the I in the middle the way we like to be in the middle, just say I. He died for I, me, okay? So you don't have to say that word, sin, because I know it's a hard word to say. Because we don't sin, we're in church. Upon him was the chastisement, the beating, that he brought us peace. And with his stripes, we aren't healed. Are we healed? Isn't that, I'm not in past English, is that past tense? Okay, just imagine, okay. Now the word peace, I love the way Alan kind of hung out on that, guys, that peace means not that all is tranquil. It means this. I have peace with God. You know what I mean? I have reconciliation with God. I have justification, just like I never sinned with God. I've been adopted by God. Damaged good, adopted by God. And then I've been glorified by God. That means when Jesus comes back, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I'm going to be with him in glory. So I've been glorified. See, it doesn't just stop here. 
Now, he came as a baby, but he's coming back as a king. But think about it. Here on earth, I've been reconciled. Forgiveness of sins. That used to make people shout in the old days. They're like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. I enjoy it because I know who I came from. It's amazing. Adoption. Those who are, didn't have mom and dad, didn't have family on earth that loved you. When you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, he adopted you into his family. So minus the family you don't have here, you have a family, a father. That's your father. And then all the crazy people you don't like in church, that's your family. So I'm like Uncle Rich, you know what I mean? You ain't got to invite me to your house, but I'm still your uncle. Been adopted. Jesus paid, this, paid with his life the infinite debt owed by us. And basically what he did, he just died. He took on the penalty that was for us. Now think about it. It's a young man, Knoxville, Tennessee. Javon, can't get his last name right, I'm sorry. Through himself, teenager, football player, threw himself on top and shield himself on some ladies that, from a gang war that were going to get shot. That's the only picture I got right now because it. can't, I can't live that life. We can when the emergency comes. He shielded himself and saved those women. He died. Think about Jesus on the cross taking the beating for us. He shielded us from God's wrath. And we have modern-day heroes today. He threw himself on. You won't get them, but take me. He took the wrath of some crazy people for them to be saved. Which gives me my last part. We have a Savior who saves. A Savior who saves. A price we could not pay. He paid for us. That's when we sing, holy is the Lord. I cry. <laughs> Separated, set apart. Man did it. Man had to pay for it. God said, I have a solution. He's my son, my only begotten son. See, what happened, what should have happened to him, them happened to us. I mean, what should have happened to us happened to him. Now, when, when you look at um, verse 45, I mean, verse 5 on the uh, 45, it says at the end, gave his life as a ransom for many. That word for many, it's a big word. It means in place of, instead of. He was a substitution for us. In place of, instead of rich, Jesus took the price. Instead of Elder Terry, Jesus took the price. Make it personal. 
Instead of casing, Jesus took the play, took the price, took it for me. He substituted, called the atonement, settled the debt. I wish there was another way, but God, the only way, that's what we deserve. That's why our life should be a life of thankfulness all the time. doesn't matter if you have money in the bank, you don't have money in the bank. It should be a life of thankfulness. Because I remember that. When, I, when the God, it reminds me that our Lord and Savior saves, and he took my place, and future generations will not hear his place. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 says this, and it's also in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 21. I love how the Bible, Old Testament, from the prophecies go and collect into the New Testament. I want to encourage you when you're going to, um, into 2016, start reading your Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Connect, see Jesus in every passage. Jesus is all through the Bible. It says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's us. And it's also for us. Good news to the poor. He sent to bind up the what? To proclaim liberty to the what? How many were captive before Jesus? Raise your hand. If you're not sure, you are. It means you can't lift your hands. To proclaim liberty to the captives and opening the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, if you got the year of the Lord, they only call it the year of Jubilee. I was talking about when, when you had property or if you were enslaved and your master wanted to let you, he would be obligated to let you go to get your inheritance. You know, a life without Jesus is just a dead life because when you leave this place, there's no inheritance. There's nothing. When you're talking about the year of the Lord, it means the year of salvation, the time we got saved, that Lord was reconciling humanity. And humanity, us, have received forgiveness from God. That is amazing stuff. And they call it the year of Jubilee. Seven years, it goes into that, the perfect number. Seven years. And that's the year of the Lord. They bind up the brokenhearted. The good news, the gospel, binds up the brokenhearted. Heals those who are sick. Joyous time. That's just amazing to me. Opening up the prison for those who are bound. I remember before Jesus, I was bound by so many things. And the more I knew about his love, the more things start to fall off. Because before that, I was trying to work for approval, trying to work for him to love me. But can I say this? God's done everything to open the doors for us to enjoy him. You ever notice that? He went through great lengths to get our attention. You ever notice that? Great lens. Now, here's the thing I don't want you to ever feel unloved because you don't think that um, God loves you in the moment because you're dealing with God on the circumstantial level 
versus God, the eternal love. Because your circumstance had nothing to do with his love for you. Okay? Don't get down because life isn't going, this season's not a good season for you. Have an eternal mindset and say, oh, yes, he is good. Yes. And the, and the bad, on the worst day of my life, he did die on the cross for me. Now, this story, you can't write it. It's kind of hard to put in a movie without putting some extra drama in it. Because from a baby to the cross and 33 years old, it's kind of hard to put that together, to fathom the love of God. But there's a scripture in Romans 5, 8 that just says it all. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, what? When we still rejected him, he did what? On your worst day, he did what? When you can't pay your bills, he did what? On your worst relationship, drama. He did what? Anybody see? Yeah, drama. Yeah. See? The eternal focus. We don't get the gift you want. He did what? The perfect gift was given. It's a gift we need. Think about it. Worship team, come on up. Go and respond in worship. The king who became a servant. Then we're going to pray for those at the end who need some prayer. Because some of y'all need some Y'all need to get break out of you. Now, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, the Jets had to do that yesterday. So call it. It's done. All right. Now, Jesus got more strength and power, but he can't raise y'all. Anyway, but here's the thing I want to show you. There's a joke to wake you up. And I'm going to get killed for this, I know. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that brought Jesus to earth, the same anointing and authority that brought Jesus to earth and put him on the cross for our sake resides in each and every one of us. The power has been, has never, is right there, has been transcended to us. On our worst day, we have authority to walk on things, to walk on cancer, to walk on discouragement, to walk on disappointment, to walk on divorce, to walk on those things. We never forget that because the enemy's job is to say, you blew it. He doesn't love you anymore. You're not a good class of people. You're not this. You're not that socioeconomically. You're you're finished. He's a liar. Jesus did not die for our class. He died for our hearts. And it's the heart of the matter. And when you get down to the matter, it's always a matter of the heart, not the circumstance. That's why I want to encourage you this Christmas. You go to the mall, have a great time. If y'all want to buy me a gift, just buy me a cheesecake. It's okay. It's okay to enjoy God again. What I saw in the mall was amazing because people were smiling again. Even with the fear factor, they were smiling again. And children of God need to smile because we have a king who became a servant, who served, who sacrificed, 
who saved us for our hearts. You need to hear that today. It's not about who you are or what you've done. It's about who you are.